welcome back to Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. And it was been an electrifying week two in the NFL. Very excited to get right back into it here this week with all of you. So, as always, we will start it off with the Buffalo Bills. And in this week, the Buffalo Bills took a very nice 38-10 to win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Rob, what is your thoughts on this game? So, yes, very good game. I think both of us predicted this coming, a nice bounce-back win in classic Bills fashion. And I can't believe this. Last 10 games that the Bills have played at home, they've averaged, averaged 31 points, which is absolutely astounding, just demolishing the Raiders here. So initial thoughts in this game was I loved the way they were using James Cook, really came out and set the tone on the run game, averaging over 7 yards a carry and getting 17 carries in the game. Josh Allen also kind of dinking and dunking a little bit more as he only averaged a depth of target of 4.9 yards for the game. So a little bit um, of a different style than we're used to seeing from the Bills, but nonetheless effective of a win. Yeah, I agree with all, I think all of that. And for me, this game was everything you could have asked for for the Bills. If you asked me to write up a Josh Allen stat line, I don't think you could come up with a much better one than what he had, really. <laughs> he went... Uh, 31-37 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions. And the game started out pretty rough for them, allowing Vegas to march right down the field in just a few plays for a touchdown and then went three and out on their first drive. But afterwards, the offense was absolutely humming for the rest of the game and made very few mistakes otherwise and just looked very on point. A competent run game was something I don't think we've seen in a while for Buffalo and something that helped them in the game a lot. But I'm definitely more focused on the play of Allen and being able to take what the defense give them and put up a really nice game offensively and made it look really easy for themselves, which is something that I think a lot of Bills fans have been wanting. And, I mean, also in terms of Allen's stat line, for him to only have three rushes that game is something that a lot of people have really wanted from him. And to have the type of effectiveness that they had that game was really good. Yeah, I agree. I really loved Allen's game. This is one of my favorite games by him in a long time. Like really looked really comfortable in the pocket this game and was not um, too eager to bail out of it. I know that touchdown pass to Shakir, I think it was, just absolutely like Aaron Rodgers-esque manipulating that pocket, just staying in there and delivering a bullet on a dime to Shakir. Very nice stuff from Allen. Um, and the, the running backs, all three of them performed very well. You had Murray and Harris with touchdowns and each averaging um, you know, over three and a half yards carry. And Cook obviously looking like a beast. So the Bills, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because the Raiders are the Raiders and we all know what they are. But, you know, as good as a comeback win as you can have after that, um, you know, kind of paltry week one game for Buffalo. And yeah, for that offense, after going three and out on that first drive, they either scored or got to the Raiders one yard long every single drive until they kneeled it out. Yeah, under dominance there. And, and the way they controlled the game, and, you know, maybe maybe the run game was due to the fact that they were, you know, leading for a lot of this game, like especially later in the game, so there wasn't really a need to, you know, kind of go balls out. But I think it's just a very good game all around. And, and maybe you're not going to find out too much from this game, right, because it's, you know, it's, you're at home versus the Raiders. But I think this is these games are really important. They do a lot for the confidence of your younger players. They do a lot for, like, seeing who is who in your offense you know Dalton Kincaid looking like a real guy James Cook looking like a real guy like these are important games for team confidence and just team growth in general 100% and yeah just the Bills looking like you know 
I, I don't think nobody was really panicking after that week one stinker, but they definitely silenced any critics this week, something that the Bengals were unable to do. And I think even the, the Chiefs in that part weren't even quite as impressive either. Yeah, I would agree. So I wouldn't say that the Bills are obviously like out ahead in, in front of the uh, AFC, but I think that certainly brings them back up to the top of the conversation again. Yes, and, and you look at the Chiefs uh, and, the, and the Jaguars, just kind of an underwhelming offensive game, and just kind of they have really haven't hit their stride yet, especially Kansas City, that's a big question mark in that offense, which is crazy to say, whereas Buffalo just kind of it, it's business as usual, it seems like. If you want to touch on that Kansas City-Jacksonville game for a minute, I mean, this was only the seventh time in the Mahomes era that the Chiefs were held to 17 points or less. If you're Jacksonville, you take that every day of the week. So it's very frustrating for them to not even be able to score a touchdown when you're able to limit Mahomes to that kind of number. Yeah. And especially with the type of hype that was coming into the season by us and by everybody about the Jaguars' offense and how good Lawrence really is, mm. that they couldn't do more on offense. And it just really doubles down the frustration when you have held Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense to that low a number. Yeah, I, I, Lawrence was a guy that I was really high on this year, picking him as my MVP, but very disappointing performance here. I think we, we both picked Jacksonville to win this game, and their defense gave them the opportunity to do it, but the offense could not capitalize at all. Uh, for the Chiefs, while they ha- you know they haven't done anything to silence the, the kind of early season overreactors, I would not be worried about them at all because think about what we're saying about Kansas City. I mean, their defense is playing incredible this is like a really good pass rush they had a solid secondary i mean this is the best kc defense i've seen in a long time they might be like a top 10 maybe even a top five defense dare i say and you know the biggest concern about the chiefs is what are we worried about the passing game with patrick mahomes like they're gonna figure that out i think I don't, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about kansas city at this particular moment in time i guess i would be more concerned than you are i wouldn't say that i'm really concerned about it, but the wide receivers on that team definitely make me have that thought if they're going to be able to really hold up and funnel through that passing game a lot when they need to and like they enjoy doing. Yeah, I, I there's definitely a valid point. There's, you, like if Travis Kelsey's out, who's your safety blanket? Who's your go-to guy? Who's the guy that's going to deliver? I mean, that being said, coming into the year, they, they have a lot of guys that I really, really like. Yeah, a lot of potential. Yeah, because I, I love Sky Moore. I was a big Sky Moore guy, like I said, like coming out of that draft. I like Kadarius Tony a lot. He's got a lot of talent, just really injured. And MVS is a really nice depth piece. But you just need to be able to see that all work together well for you. And I think you, you're you back on track and just still just being the most dominant team in the AFC that there is. Yes, I would agree with that. And from there, we move on to the Green Bay Packers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And they lost 24-25 to in quite an exciting game. Very uh, passionate fan base there in Atlanta. Both fan bases showed up pretty well. And it was kind of just a fun game between two hopefully young quarterbacks and franchises here. What were your initial thoughts on this game? Well, for me, I, I do believe that Jordan Love still had a decent game despite not putting out a crazy good stat yard. He still had a passer rating of 113, which is quite good. And 
their offense was able to get some things done, but it really sputtered out when it mattered most and only had seven net yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And overall, I do have a lot of belief in the Packers, but I feel like they definitely fell short in this one. Oh, yeah, they definitely did. And it's one of those things you have to take it with a grain of salt because they didn't have their, their big playmaker, Aaron Jones, and their number one perceived, number one receiver still, Christian Watson, out. So I, I, that maybe is is a cause for me to be like, okay, I'm not taking this too seriously, this loss. Um, and there's going to be some learning curves. There's going to be some bumps in the road. You know, Not every quarterback goes out there and, and balls out like Andrew Luck and, and Russell Wilson. Sometimes it takes a little time. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, his first year, went 6-10. and 10. So, And then the next year, you know, made the playoffs. But it takes a little bit of time. As for this game, you know, rough – they had a rough go of it on the ground with A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, only 55 yards. Really didn't give Love a lot of help, um, you know, running on early downs and such. And, you know, Love, very quiet day, only 151 yards. Didn't look bad, but you'd like to see more explosive plays, kind of dinking and dunking a little bit too much for my taste. But, you know, positives for the game is the receivers all look very nice for Green Bay. For a team that gets criticized a lot for not drafting wide receivers high, when they do draft receivers, they – Develop them quite well. You talk about Driver, Craig Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, all second-round or later picks. And I think they hit on a good amount of receivers here with Reed and Dobbs really looking good. Would you say that the Packers' defense is problematic for you? Because when I'm looking at these drives, I mean, almost every single Atlanta drive started way back in their own territory. Atlanta never had good field position in this game, but they were able to drive the ball down the field a lot of different times. Yeah, I well, look, the Packers defense has been a concern for a while. And every year we hear about, oh, this is going to be the year the Packers have a top 10 defense. And it never really is. I think they're, they're weakest in the middle for sure. You talk about the interior and the kind of mid-linebacker range. They're definitely the weakest there. And that opens up the passing game if, with, like, slants and screens and running up the middle they're the weakest and you saw Bijan robinson just absolutely shred this defense with 124 yards and elegier and ritter also running for quite a few yards themselves but i i was really more impressed with the falcons in their they, i mean they, they arthur smith i have to give you credit on this falcons looked like a real team arthur smith running those trick plays if you look they hardly went a play without motion in the backfield like what they're able to do with Bijan Robinson with De- Desmond Ritter, he looks like an actual guy. Like he looks like he could distribute to all those playmakers that they have: Drake London, Matt Collins, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. Like this team looks really good. I don't think the Packers were prefer- prepared for this offense. I'm not too concerned about it. I think they'll pick it up next week, though. Yeah, it, I am excited for what Atlanta can do. They were able to put out a lot of yards this week and a lot of really good offensive output. But for the Packers, I, I do agree that. I'd like to see a little bit more, but overall, I do believe, like I said, I believe in them a lot still going forward. Yes, yes. We just need a little bit more, I think, from the inside and the pass rush, and we should be fine. We have, you know, a great secondary, in my opinion. And from there, we are going to transition to our new segment initiated last week the Clown of the Week. Everybody loves the good clown, and now it's time to meet the NFL's Clown of the Week for this week. This week's Clown of the Week is none other than Denver Broncos head coach, Sean Payton. (laughs) Everyone's favorite coach. 
So let's go into why here. So back in July, Sean Payton had a quote on talking about how Nathaniel Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs ever. He said they couldn't get a play in. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. And this week, the Broncos at home, yet again, were still struggling to get the play calls in. And after the game, when asked about it, Peyton said it was more than just one drive. There were a number of drives where we were late with personnel getting out of the huddle. We took a while. It had to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing that. Sean Payton, you are the clown of the week. Absolutely. And you got it. If you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And if you don't, you end up on this segment, the clown of the week. And now time for a second edition of the segment, Do You Vibe With It, in which we present each a team with a good vibes and bad vibes. And for this week, my team with good vibes is none other than the Miami Dolphins. So ruining my underdog lock of the week last week, Miami Dolphins routed the Patriots in Foxborough. Tua Tungvalu is now 5-0 versus Bill Belichick's Patriots. Bit of a concern for New England, but nothing but good vibes in Miami. This offense is absolutely explosive with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Tua distributing the ball. Mike McDaniels looks like a genius. The defense is stepping up when it matters. And Miami Dolphins are now sitting atop the AFC East and looking very, very good. A wonderful choice. The Dolphins vibes are very good. And for me, this week, my good vibes team is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, a bit of an off topic one, I'd say. No, I'm a, I'm a win. I didn't you. Yes. But I, I think I've really liked the vibes coming out of Indianapolis this year. I think there was a lot of talk about them being a difficult watch and having a lot of early season struggles. But Anthony Richardson has been very good so far. And through two games, they rank 10th in points four in the league. I mean, that's something I think that we really didn't expect. And to really see Richardson thrive so early with so little experience, I think there's really some good vibes in Indianapolis. All right, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely Anthony Richardson giving that franchise a little bit of hope, so definitely agree with the good vibes there. And now the bad vibes teams, the teams that aren't doing so well at this particular moment and nothing but kind of stinky vibes. And for me, the choice is fairly obvious. I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers here. So the Chargers, high hopes in the year with new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, and they drop their first two games, two games that were very winnable, and they lose them in classic Chargers fashion by less than three points. So this week, losing to the Tennessee Titans, Brandon Staley looking very weird with play calling, and it's sort of weird to see how it's developed. He started out as this guy, this analytics guy, right? He was the smart guy, the guy that went by the analytics, and he was going to do whatever it took to win. Now he's kind of moved away from that, and it's just kind of inconsistent at this point. I think he's completely lost the locker room. You look at comments from Austin Eckler saying, like, the coaching has been questionable. I mean, you that's one of your team leaders. I think Austin Eckler was wanting to get traded, and it just charges 0-2. I'm expecting Staley maybe to get fired mid-year, so vibes are not good, in my opinion, in Los Angeles. A good choice, one that I certainly, certainly could have used myself. But for me, my bad vibes team this week is the Cincinnati Bengals. 
the Bengals have really had a really rough start yet again to the season. Obviously starting 0-2 last year as well. But last year, both of their losses were in extremely tight games, an overtime loss to Pittsburgh, and losing on a last-second field goal to Dallas. Whereas this week, in Week 1, they get absolutely massacred by the Browns in Week 1, where Joe Burrow was only able to put out 82 yards on just an obscene amount of passing attempts as well. And then in Week 2, get bested by the Ravens, who now sit with two divisional-slash-conference losses, and certainly look way worse than they did last year, and through two weeks, have the number 31-ranked offense. Like, that is the thing that really holds up Cincinnati the most. If their offense isn't going, they really have issues. And their defense has not been good to start. Their secondary has struggled a lot, and they haven't been able to get a lot of pressure coming on the line. And because of not being able to get pressure, like a good secondary is not there to prop them up anymore. The vibes are definitely bad in Cincinnati. Yes, I would agree. And just to add on, too, this is kind of, didn't everyone say this is like the window's closing for Cincinnati? You're not going to be able to bring back T. Higgins and Jamar Chase next year. So this is kind of your big push before you have to pay all that money to your stars. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the window closing, but in this team cycle, the cycle will definitely be changing for them. Yes, yes. And that concludes the second edition of Do You Vibe With It? And now from here we transition to the week three picks. And last week we did a little bit better, or I did a little bit better, I should say, going 10-6 and six, while Scott went 8-8, eight and eight, bringing us even at 17-15 and 15 on the year so far. A modest start, but better than last year for sure. And now we head into week three picks, starting with the New York Giants visiting the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night. Well, who do you got winning this game? I have the 49ers winning, and it is not going to be close. I would tend to agree with that. I mean, what you've seen from the Giants so far, like, they are going to be a bad team this year, I think. In terms of post-game win expectancy, the Giants were one of only three teams this week to win with having the low end of the win expectancy, winning in only 10% of simulations over their game with the Cardinals on a crazy comeback for them. Meanwhile, the 49ers have been just dominant so far this season. I think this is really going to be a blowout. Yeah, San Francisco looking more and more optimistic as Purdy continues to produce. Now, I will say that he did not have the week that I thought he was going to have, and he missed some key big throws, but the San Francisco 49ers offense and defense is just loaded. Just absolutely the best roster in the league, in my opinion. New York does not look nearly as sharp as they did last year, and so I would definitely agree with the 49ers taking this game. And then you got the Tennessee Titans versing, versing, facing the Nick Chubbless Browns. Uh, just a terrible injury to see Chubb on Monday night. Just absolutely brutal. I, I didn't watch the replay of it because they didn't show it on TV. I didn't want to see it. But it, it looks really serious. Definitely out for the year, maybe the career. Uh, as such, I was actually swayed on this game, and I think the Titans are going to upset the Browns here in Cleveland. For me, I'm going to go with Cleveland. So, uh, on Tennessee, I think that the Chargers really kind of gave away a game there, although Tennessee looked much better. But I think that is more on the Chargers defense, being the Chargers defense, than Tennessee really having a great offense in general. But, for me, Cleveland has just been so frustrating with all the talent they have. I 
I think that they have all they need to compete in the AFC, but just what I've seen from them just has not been enough so far. Like, I just found myself so often yelling at the TV at Watson, just saying, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? As he just seems to walk right into sacks, taking multiple penalties, one for face masking, another personal foul, just throwing the ball, just, like, leading defensive backs for almost getting picked, just throwing the ball way out of bounds. Watson has just not looked good. But I do think they've just got so many good pieces in their offense that I think they can turn around. I really hope they do. So I, I will be picking Cleveland to win in this one. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson just really looking bad. I mean, he's, he's looking like a, a bottom 10 QB at this point. And I don't know if he'll ever be able to regain his prowess that, like he did in Houston. I mean, really not looking good there. And I've been a, someone who's liked the Browns roster over the years. So they need to turn around. They need to turn around quick. Now, they did sign Kareem Hunt, and Jerome Ford looks good. I think anyone you put behind that Browns O-line is going to look good, to be frank. But maybe that that really was just kind of a crushing loss to see him go down like that, to see Chubb go down like that, to play you know next week on a short week. I think the Titans are a little bit better than people give them credit for, and we'll be able to take advantage of that. And then you have the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Now Detroit coming off a heartbreaking loss in overtime to Seattle, while the Falcons over a vigorous win against Green Bay. Who do you have in this matchup? I have Detroit winning in this one. As do I. Yeah, I've liked what I've seen from Detroit this one this year so far. I mean, obviously having a really good win over Kansas City in Week One, and then taking a high-flying overtime game in with uh, Seattle before ultimately losing it. But still, I've seen really liked what I've seen from their offense, being able to still be very explosive again this year, yeah. even without Jameson Williams still. I agree, and yeah, a lot of the something with, with just weird like Lions players are just out like for like gambling stuff, just like really weird to see. But once they get all their guys back, they're going to be even more potent. And I think you know, not it's not same old Lions. You know, some people were saying that because they lost to Seattle, who got blown up by the Rams. Not the same old Lions. Seattle's a good team. Uh, nice bounce back win here at home. Uh, and then you got the New Orleans Saints taking on the Green Bay Packers. And Packers lost a very winnable game while the Saints looked pretty good against Carolina. Who do you got in this match? I had the Packers winning in this one. And I actually have the New Orleans Saints upsetting Green Bay here. Yeah, I do think in this one this game they're gonna tell us could tell us a lot about these teams. And I'll be, this one I'll be really interested to tune into and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the, the Derek Carr has been looking solid and not great. The Saints defense is a lot better than I initially had thought. It's been, I think, 10 games in a row that they have not allowed an opponent to score over 20 points for the Saints defense. So very impressive stuff there. Going into Lambeau may be a bit of a challenge, but I think that the Packers are just not quite where I want them to be for this game. And then you have the Denver Broncos taking on the Miami Dolphins in Miami. And Denver doing a little bit de- better with their offense last week, scoring 33 points. Who do you have winning this game? I have Miami winning in this one. And I do as well. I don't know if those 33 points for Denver were worth a whole lot, though. Yeah. Based on what happened in that game with Washington. Right, right. And, and you know, six of them were on the Hail Mary. So. Oh, that, the Hail Mary and then failing the two-point conversion. But just blowing that whole lead in general. Just a lot of craziness in Denver so far this year. Yeah, it's very hectic. Uh, definitely more alive than they were last year. But, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson just – I don't know if he'll ever – I've never seen a player just fall off a cliff that much without an injury or anything. It just he went there, you know, let Russ cook, and just he did not do it. And the the mantra of his whole career was 
like what a great improviser he was. You know, he would run around, he would throw that that ball, a cannon of an arm, off script, and it's been the complete opposite. So this year, just in the first two games, the first half has been his great his his big half. So first half is you know more scripted plays. You're running your game plan. Second half is when you adapt. So first half, Russell Wilson completion percentage eighty five point two, four touchdowns to zero interceptions, one hundred and forty nine passer rating. Second half. 56 completion percentage, one touchdown, one interception, 69 passer rating. So a complete opposite of what we're used to seeing from Wilson. you got to wonder if he is ever going to be the same guy that he used to be. So Miami Dolphins are rolling. I think they steamroll Denver. And then you have the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Minnesota Vikings, two teams with a reputation for choking, and who will out-choke the other in this game. This game was honestly the one I had the hardest time picking this one, but I ended up deciding on the Los Angeles Chargers. I did as well, and it seems like no matter which way you're going to go, you're going to be having you know heart attacks the entire game. Yeah, certainly. But I think with this, this Chargers defense, they're going to have a really hard time with Jefferson. I think whatever number that they want to give you for Jefferson prop bets, take over. Take I don't over. care what the number is. Make it 150 yards, they'll probably hit it. Yeah. They're, that defense is having a really hard time limiting receivers right now. But for me, when I think about this Chargers team, like if, if they've just been one of the weirdest 0-2 starts ever. They are the first team to ever start 0-2 despite scoring 50 points and having no turnovers. First team ever. They've had late leads in both games. and Justin Herbert and company have now had 10 lo- Ten losses since 2020 in games where they held a lead in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. I mean, I think at some point here the Chargers can break through, and I hope they will because I think they have a really good roster and explosive team. But maybe they won't. We'll see if Minnesota can. And honestly, they've had a, a good start to the year as well, despite starting 0-2. Cousins having over 340 passing yards in both games. Really impressive for him. Yeah, and the thing about the Chargers, I really think it is a coaching issue. Like, when Brandon Staley took over, he was, like I said, the analytics guy, but he was also the defense guy. And ever since he got there, the defense has just gotten gradually worse. And like you said, they just have a tough time stopping people. I think they're going to get shredded. It's going to be an offensive shootout here. Even despite the amount of talent that they have on that defense. I mean, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, like... I know. There's no excuse It's Derwin James... J.C. Jackson, like, just an insane amount of talent, but nothing to show for it at all. Just a jumbled mess there. Yeah. And same thing with the offense last year. The offense has been better this year, but when you have Justin Herbert and all those receivers, and it's supposed to be a revamped offensive line and Austin Eckler, it should have been way better. So they fixed that, I think, this year with Kellen Moore. I think maybe it's time to fix the defense. Yeah. And then you have the complete opposite <laughs> – of a matchup here in the New England Patriots versus the New York Jets. And neither of these teams have much of an offense, but both boast a very formidable defense. Who wins this divisional battle? I have the Patriots winning this one. And I do as well, though I think it's going to be very close. Yeah, we'll have to see what Mr. Bill Belichick can dial up for Zach Wilson there and see if Wilson can look competent at all this week as the Jets continue to wander through the quarterbackless abyss here yet again this year with Wilson and trying to just grind their way through without a very good quarterback at the helm. Yeah, and for the Jets, it's 
it's kind of you don't know what to do because I mean you never expected the the Rodgers injury to happen so you know some people are saying you know let's go get Kirk Cousins or Carson Wentz or whatever and try to make a push it for the playoffs but that's just stupid especially considering that Rodgers plans to be back next year and you know all indication is that he will be so it's just it's it's just a weird year for the Jets and you got to feel bad for him but they're just not a good team and Zach Wilson is just not a great, great quarterback yet uh, Patriots looking a little bit better. Mac Jones looking a little bit better, and they'll be able to uh, beat the Jets for the 16th time in a row. And then you have the Buffalo Bills versus the Washington Commanders, both teams scoring over 35 points last week. Who takes this matchup? I had the Bills winning in this one. As do I. The Commanders have been a nice little story so far, getting out a couple nice wins, even nice offensively, by Sam Howell. I think he's really impressed me in particular. But I think this week they're going to run straight into the buzzsaw that is Buffalo. Yes. They're going to discover what Buffalo has to offer here on the defensive side. And Matt Milano and that defense is going to come after Sam Hall. Matt Milano, what a guy. I think he makes Pro Bowl possibly all pro this year. That interception he had over the receiver was just absolutely nuts. This dude's a lunatic. And Buffalo is just going to obliterate Washington Commanders in this week. And then you have the Houston Texans. By the way, lunatic in a good way. Matt Lano's a beast. <laughs> Houston Texans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars here in this AFC South Divisional matchup. Jaguars coming off a mediocre loss to the Chiefs. Do you think they can rebound with the win? Certainly I can. I think they can versus the lowly Texans team. I think they should look explosive and good in this one. And But I think I'm not going to learn a lot from them. I think that they're going to have a sizable win here. I'm saying, okay, well, they look good. But I want to see another test from them now and see what they're really about. Yes, I agree with that. I, I hope they just unleash this offense with Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley to its full potential and shred this Houston defense. I think they need a win like Buffalo had last week with the Tex- or with the uh, the Raiders. And the Texans are a very weak team, so they should be able to pound this team. Then you got the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Indianapolis Colts and the Ravens atop the uh, AFC North and looking like clearly the best team in the division at this point, which is a bit surprising to me at least. Who do you have in this matchup? I have Baltimore winning in this one. As do I. Yeah, I, I really liked Baltimore's offensive game last week as they were really able to spread it around and show off all the depth that they have at receiver. I mean, going in, I, I know you had certainly said that you were concerned that they didn't have a great receiver, but they seem to sure have a lot of good ones. Yes. I almost forgot Nelson Aguilar was on this team, and they were really able to spread it around to a lot of different guys there. Dave Flowers, Duvernay, Mark Andrews, Bateman, Beckham Jr. Like They were just able to spread around and really have a nice day offensively, and I think it's going to continue this year as Jackson looked like almost an MVP form this week. Yeah, I, I wasn't too impressed with their first weak win against uh, Houston but this the last win against Cincinnati I mean they completely dominated this team and they just really showed them who was the the boss I know I know it was a three-point game but they just looked way cleaner on both sides of the ball and they just looked a superior team here so I'm taking the Ravens all day to beat the Colts as just much better team than Indianapolis and then you have the Carolina Panthers versus the Seattle Seahawks Seahawks coming over a nice loss with a nice, well, sorry, coming off a nice win over the Lions to come back over their loss with the Rams. Who do you think takes this game? I have Seattle winning in this one. I do as well. A very well done game 
from Geno Smith to follow up what was kind of a disaster in week one. And I, I did like what I'm seeing with them, but I, I do feel like I want to see more now before I can make a true decision what Seattle was. Because I feel like I was high coming in on them, and then I was like, all right, after week one, have we been fooled? Have we been bamboozled by a crazy fluke season by Geno Smith? And then follows up with a 300-yard game? What do we think of them? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I think we haven't really learned much of anything yet. Got to wait a few more weeks. But we've learned enough to, to have them over the Panthers here. Just kind of a developing young team with Bryce Young, who looks pretty good at this point, everything considered. But this is Seattle's game to lose. Then you have the Chicago Bears taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Bears off to a very rough start this year. But Chiefs not looking so strong themselves. Who do you have winning this game? I have the Chiefs winning in this one. As do I. Yeah, Chiefs having a very big spread, even bigger than the 49ers game, at 12 and a half for this one. Wowzer. Yeah, and I think they definitely have a good chance to cover it here, too. Yeah, I do as well, and and their defense has been the biggest surprise this year uh, in terms of overperforming, and their receiving game has been the biggest surprise in terms of underperforming. However, the Bears just look like a complete dumpster fire. Justin Fields blaming coaching for his play, which was interesting to see. So not all is not well in Chicago. And then you have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals giving the Giants a bit of a scare before choking the game away, while Dallas obliterates New York. Who do you have winning this game? The Dallas Cowboys. I do as well. And I will say that Dallas has exceeded even my expectations of them this year. I had them winning the division. And Dallas really looking like a very, very strong team. Their defense is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, that D-line is unstoppable. Micah Parsons is just an animal. Um, so Dallas should just obliterate this Cardinals team. Absolutely. But, I mean, give Arizona some credit for what they've done so far this year, really sticking around in some games. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, if, if they weren't, you know, tanking for the number one pick, as I think they are, and maybe they would actually win a couple of these, but it just seems like that's kind of their destiny here. Then you got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Steelers coming over a tight win against the Browns, while the Raiders look to rebound from a devastating blowout against the Bills. So in this game, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are going to be my underdog lock of the week. Oh, lock of the week. Didn't turn out so well last week. No, it didn't turn out so great with the Vikings, although had a good offensive performance. But this week, my lock of the week will be the Steelers. All right, and then we go. I also have the Steelers winning this game, and I'm fairly confident in it, although Matt Canada's offense hasn't been looking great. But uh, maybe Josh McDaniel's offense might be a little worse. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Two of the oddest and craziest offensive minds that there are in the coaching in the game right now. Yes, I agree. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, and Tampa Bay looking very good with Baker Mayfield. Who do you have winning this game? I have the Eagles winning in this one. And I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I am very confident in Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've shown that they can be a very feisty team hanging around in some of these games. And I'm also going to make this my lock of the week, underdog lock of the week, trusting in Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Eagles. I know it's a gutsy move, but... I think the Eagles have kind of benefited from some fortunate bounces. And going into Tampa Bay could be a game that they overlook. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we've both been uh, off on the Eagles again this year. Yeah. As we were last. And they've been a little down this year. Still able to win some games. But on the other side, like you said, Mayfield looked very good. Having a 300-yard passing game last week and looking very smart, very efficient. And when Baker's hot, he's hot. Yes. He just got that winner's moxie about him. You know, he's a winner. We talk about all these great quarterbacks, you know, Brady, the Mannings, Breeze. Like, these guys didn't have, like, the biggest arm of all time, although Peyton Manning had a big arm. They just had a winning aroma about them. You know what I mean? They had that personality. I think Baker has that. I'm not saying he's those guys' caliber, but there's something about him that, you know, you want to follow him. He's a good leader, and he will if he just finds a ways to win. And then finally, on the Monday night matchup, you have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And who do you have taking this victory? I have the Bengals getting a get-right win in this one. And I would have to disagree with that. I, I got the Rams taking the win here. This is an interesting one as this far out as we are right now. We don't know if Burrow's going to play. I feel you could obviously flip a lot. But I do like my chance that if he does play to see an offensive turnaround from Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, the Rams looking a lot better than I th- think they that any of us expected, and the Bengals looking quite a bit worse than even I expected. We don't even know if, if Burrow's going to be playing in this game. I think it's probably for the best that they sit him out, because especially because it's a calf injury and that's you know connected with the Achilles. I think they, should, they would do well to even sit him until after the bye. So I would, just due to those questions, I, I would take the Rams here. And certainly the Rams have been able to do something a little bit out of nothing with receivers like Tutu Atwell just becoming a guy as well as Puka. Like, yeah, Puka. Like, oh, Puka season this year, ain't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Man. What a name, but like, what a receiver, what a game he had. Yeah, the receiver names like Puka and Tutu, those are just yeah. <laughs> first-tier right. names. Right, it's like something out of like a Disney movie, Snow White, Seven Dwarfs, type of thing. <laughs> we got Puka, we got Tutu, let's make it work. It's like Aaron Donald and the Youngsters. That's what, that's what it feels like with the Rams now. <laughs> All right, and that concludes our picks for week three. And now we move on to the new segment, Rob's Starts and Sits of the Week. So, we're just revisiting last week. My starts of the week were Brock Purdy and running back Jamal Williams. So Brock Purdy, not having a great week, ranked as the 24th quarterback uh, in fantasy as he just kind of had a mediocre game, barely over 200 yards, and no passing touchdowns but did have a running touchdown. So I'll take the loss on this one. Brock Purdy not doing well there. And Jamal Williams also had a mediocre game, but he did leave the game with injury. Then you had the sits. I had Anthony Richardson who did leave the game with an injury, although he did score two touchdowns previously to that. And, and may I mention, he was higher than Purdy? <laughs> we don't need to mention that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, he indeed was ranked higher than Purdy in fantasy <laughs> moments. But uh, I did hit one, you know, in all honesty. I hit one, that's what matters. Travis Etienne, 12 carries for 40 yards and the 41 ranked running back last week. So hoping to improve on that this week. Here are my fantasy starts and sits. First, we have the sits. And my number one fantasy sit is Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. So Chicago, obviously a dumpster fire. They're facing the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is way better than we all had thought. A very good secondary, better pass rush. 
and not a lot going on in Chicago. Darnell Mooney also is coming off a knee injury, so he may not even be up to full speed. Do not start him this week in any slot, receiver three or flex. And then you have Deshaun Watson as the quarterback sit of the week. And Deshaun Watson not looking like his old self at all. And some people may be upset with that, like my friend here, Scott, who is starting him in our league. But I would advise him to sit this week as they're facing a pretty formidable Titans defense who got a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert, sacking him three times and pressuring him the entire game. Deshaun Watson is not Justin Herbert, and you should sit him this week. And then for the fantasy starts, I have Josh Jacobs, who is forced to negative two rushing yards against the Buffalo Bills, which is just an insane stat. But the Bills have a very good run defense who play. They were just out to play that game. Josh Jacobs, too good of a running back not to have a bounce back week. And then you have Nico Collins from the Houston Texans. So we're, we're wondering who is actually playing for the Houston Texans. You know, maybe I may not recognize any names. Nico Collins is one you're going to be hearing a lot more of in the future looks like he's the number one guy for cj stroud seventh ranked wide receiver so far on espn and he is going to have a monster week this week good stuff and now we have the scott's parlay of the week and scott how did you do last week on your parlay oh so close but no cigar as we went one for three with my teams with the Dolphins winning and the Chargers and Packers both suffering heartbreaking losses. So we are 1-1 one one with our parlays this year and looking to get back in the winning column this week. So for this week, my Week 3 parlay features the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Detroit Lions. Steelers and underdogs in here give you a pretty nice number, along with the Browns and the Lions, who I think can get pretty nice wins with Browns over the Titans and Detroit over Atlanta who are also very closely ranked in terms of the spread and money line, but these teams will be picked outright. So bet this week outright the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, and Detroit Lions. Yes, love that Steelers line as well. I, I don't know. I just, I've said that in all three games the Steelers have played, but I just I can't not love it. You know, Something about Mike Tomlin and those Steelers, they'll always give you a good fight. And that concludes the Week 3 podcast. We thank you all for viewing it, and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you think may be interested. Your viewership is all greatly appreciated. And this has been Mark My Words Football Podcast with Ryan and Scott. And we are tuning in.